Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Giant Take Podcast. My name is Josh, and I'm joined by my friend and co-host, Alex. We are here to recap this New York Giants 2023-2024 NFL season. And once we finish that, we have a lot of news on tap for you. A lot of stuff has happened in the Giants world since we've gone uh, you know, away for a couple days, a few days at that. A lot that, that, that happened that we did not expect to happen after we recorded that morning, right? We recorded our Eagles recap, and then after the Eagles recap, we talked about kind of what happened in that Joe Shane, Brian Dable press conference, and besides the firings of the two um, coaches, excuse me, the offensive line coach and Bobby Johnson, and then the special teams coordinator and Thomas McGahee, we were like, okay, Dable indicated that Mike Kafka and Wink Marndale will return. Now, is that going to be the case? Like, we'll have to see. And then later that day, it started. And then ever since then, it's been a whirlwind of information coming out about the situation between Wink Marndell and Brad Dable. We have the new offensive line coach. Sterling Shepard uh, says goodbye to the Giants. A uh, couple honors for a couple of Giants players. We're going to get into all of it. But first, the season recap. But even before that, Alex, back at school, second semester just started for you. First week, how's it going? Doing well. Uh, yeah, it's, it's gotten going pretty quickly, quicker than I remembered, which is always fun uh, when, you know, the work's already piling up and you're only four days in. But um, I'm doing well. Off-season's here. Playoffs are here, uh, depending on what team you are. And obviously for the Giants, it's off-season. And um, it's been kind of a crazy ride over the past few days. And not even that, but the whole season, obviously, which we're going to talk about in a sec. But yeah, I, uh, I, I can't believe some of the things I'm seeing. Uh, which is, I guess, a normal occurrence for us Giants fans uh, when you go on your timeline or whatever on Twitter uh, and you just see things that no other fan base is seeing on their timelines. Let's just say that about 
some crazy stuff is always happening in Giants world. And I guess I'm here for it sometimes, but in this case, it was kind of upsetting. And throughout this whole season, it's been pretty upsetting as well. Yeah, well, let's talk about being upset and, and being, I guess, uncomfortable when the Giants are losing the first five out of their six games to begin the season. The first one at that, a primetime showing against our rivals in the Dallas Cowboys of the NFC East. And we have an egg, a goose egg of zero points in that battle between the Cowboys. It wasn't even a battle. The Giants got absolutely dominated on all parts of the ball, offense, defense, special teams. The Cowboys win that game 40 to nothing, Alex. We remember it very, very well. We were already at school by that point, and it was terrible to watch. Daniel Jones ended up throwing two interceptions in that game. Tony Pollard ran all over us, getting two touchdowns. And the Giants would go on to beat the Cardinals the next week, which was the team that going into the season with all their debacle happening and Kyler Murray not you know being uh, the quarterback of that team at that point and for the most of the season, actually. But they come and they beat them. They come from behind, and they were down really you know by a lot early, and they come from behind, and then we're like, okay, maybe the Giants are, are not terrible and expected, you know, I guess, uh, abomination by the uh, 49ers against the Giants the following week. Then we lose to the Seahawks. Then we lose to the Dolphins. And then that close game to the Bills, another primetime matchup. And the Giants lose five out of their first six games of the season. And that's the point where we want to start off right now. Yeah, I mean, it's really, it's an interesting start to the season. Obviously, you start with the Cowboys game, like you mentioned, Josh and the momentum is down instantly. Then you're down 24-0 to the Cardinals in that first half. You somehow come back. You win that game, and it feels like, okay, okay, we're back. We're all right. That second half was good. Uh, and then, obviously, you face a very daunting 49ers team, and you're like, okay, you're not going to win that one anyway. Uh, and then you get to that Seahawks game, and it's like, okay, you know, this is a team that should be on our level uh, there or thereabouts. If not, we're better than them. Uh, and then to go out there and lose 24-3 and just – I remember that game vividly, just not even being in it whatsoever. Uh, and you drop to one and three. And at that point, you're really looking, um, you know, not so good. And then you have the Dolphins next week. They're one of the best teams in football at that time. Uh, you lose to them. And then that Bills game, you know, you're one and four, but you can kind of get your season back on track. Uh, if you win that Bills game, uh, you got the Commanders, you got the Jets after that. You got the Raiders, who we thought would have been an easier game as well. Um, and you lose that on the last play of the game. And, uh, you know, we're sitting there. What are we at that point in time? One in five? Or in I, I, I one forget five, right? what week it was exactly, but I think it was the primetime loss. I think that was that game against the Bills, Alex, where you remember this. It was in our best of 2023 video. I said, this is a giant take. It's the name of our podcast. And then I said, the giant season is over. And then you were so worried. You were on the edge of your seat like, oh, what is he going to say? What is he going to say? And then I said that the giant season is over. And you're like, yeah, that's not that giant. I mean, at this point, it's uh, it's kind of obvious. It is what it is, yeah. Well, so, I mean, at that point in the season, it's over at that point, right? You're one in five. I believe you have, what, a 10% chance of making the playoffs at that point. Yeah. Even less, I think it was like 5% will according to ESPN Analytics. And at that point, you're, you're really in the mud and you're just looking like, okay, but if you string three wins in a row together, you're four and five and you're back in it um, when you're heading down to Dallas to face them uh, in the beginning of November. If you can win those relatively easier games against the Commanders, the Jets, the Raiders, um, but obviously that was not to be. That was not to be, Alex, and that is what we talk about now. 
We have that game against the Commanders where we don't score that many points, and that is the trouble with this Giants season throughout the beginning half in the first two months all the way up until November. This Giants team is not scoring points. What's the issue? And Daniel Jones isn't playing, right? Tyrod Taylor plays in that game because he has a neck injury. Darren Waller actually has his first and probably only explosive game of the season against the Commanders, but yet the Giants still only win 14-7. And you're sitting there like, what is this Giants team going to be now at 2-5? and five? Okay, we're going to play a poor Jets team that we know we can beat. At that point, actually, though, without Aaron Rodgers, they're still doing pretty okay. They're 3-3 three and three on the year, but we're going to go there. We're going to be able to beat them in the MetLife Bowl. We go to overtime with the Jets in one of the worst Lowest scoring football games I have seen of late and lose 13 to 10 on a game winning field goal in overtime. Absolutely horrendous performance. The Giants move to two and six on the season, and we think shit cannot go lower or get worse than where we are right now. And then the next week happens, and the Giants play the Raiders in Las Vegas, and our starting quarterback, Daniel Jones, comes back from his neck injury, and he Tears his ACL. Tears his ACL. His knee buckles in one of the first plays, if not the first play of the second quarter. Then one of the plays, he just completely crumbles and goes down. No sack. Just crumbles off of the snap. Falls to the ground. And everyone knows something's up. And at this point, Tyrod Taylor is injured. So we have the Italian Stallion, Tommy DeVito, better known as Tommy Cutlets, comes into that game and shows how he's a third-string quarterback, throws two interceptions on the day, and the Giants lose 30-6 to over a late-round pick in the NFL draft to Aiden O'Connell, the former Purdue quarterback. And we're sitting here like, we said last week, how are things going to be able to, like, how can we get worse from here? How can we get closer to rock bottom? And then we somehow manage to do it. And we lose our starting quarterback for the rest of the season. And we go into a stretch where we realize... We are going to have to rock with a practice squad quarterback that was even mediocre in his time in college at two separate schools in Syracuse and Illinois. How is he going to fare? How is this team going to get another win with this guy? And that's what happens the week after that. They lose to the Cowboys, 49-17, get absolutely dominated again by the Cowboys. And then it's like, the Giants have been outscored by the Cowboys 87-17 to in their series against them this season. Um, and then beat the Commanders, beat the Patriots, beat the Packers, Packers, excuse me, three wins in a row, all led by the man himself, Tommy DeVito. And that was that run. The Packers game on prime time, his parents in the audience, his agent on the sideline wearing his top hat on the phone, calling someone he always knows a guy, right? And that is where the DeVito family took off. And the train was really riding him. And I'm going to give it to Alex to talk about Tommy DeVito a little bit. Because I know he I know he wants to do it. I mean, what isn't there to say about Tommy DeVito? Tommy DeVito, he comes in. Obviously, the Cowboys game. We forget about the Cowboys games. Both games this season. Let's just write them out of our memory. Um, but he comes into that one um, against the Commanders. Uh, the Commanders are not very good. Giants aren't very good. But the Giants, when they're not very good, still seem to beat the Commanders um, all the time. And that happens again. A nasty kind of defensive battle against the Patriots. Tommy DeVito doesn't play super well, but they end up winning. And then that primetime game of Tommy DeVito shows out 
Um, the other two, the first two games, really not that um, influential, to be completely honest, in the Tommy DeVito arc, I guess you could say, of this giant season. But prime time, Monday night football, you can't get a bigger stage than that. And Tommy DeVito, he shows up, but that is pretty much the last time he does show up for the season and will eventually be benched, I believe, the very next game? Uh, it was... I don't think it was two that games. very next game. No, it, it might was have been two games Eagles. past it that. It was against the Eagles, yes. Because the following game, the Giants are 5-8. and eight. Fans are thinking, how is there a possibility that this team can make the wild card game? This team can make the playoffs. We're, we got we got a 5% chance of it. Let's ride Tommy DeVito. The Giants then play the Saints. And, and this is a very mediocre team again. So we're here in this position thinking we can beat a mediocre team. The Giants cannot because they cannot put points on the board. And even though they scored 24 points against the Packers, the Packers scored 22. And it was Week Martindale's defense that held them to a lower amount of points. Same thing against the Patriots. That was one of the worst games of the season. A 10-7 Giants win on a game-winning field goal. What are we doing here? So if we think as Giants fans that they can beat the Saints... We were wrong, and I think that was the game that Alex picked the Giants to win, and they lost 24-6, to and he's like, I'm never picking the Giants to win again. And he was right, because then we have another close game against the Eagles. That's when Tyrod plays Alex, and we lose that one. And if you remember, that was the Christmas Day game where the final play was Tyrod Taylor, all in his hands, finding an option, and no one was open. No option, really. Then... We have what I still say is the worst game of the season against the Rams, where the Giants had like Absolutely eight chances not. to win the football game, and they didn't do it. They just couldn't do it. it. Like they were betting on themselves to lose. Alex doesn't agree because he still says all all the momentum with the first game and the Cowboys' dreadful loss. I still disagree. I was practically in tears after Week One. I was not in tears <laughs> Week Seventeen, and the final game. Alex, do you have anything to say before we talk about this final game, real quick? I, you know what? Let's say the final. We'll talk about the final game, and then I'll give a wrap, like more of my season recap, my season notes that I'm thinking. Okay. Well, the final game put a smile on every Giants fan's face. Six and eleven, the team ends with a twenty-seven to ten win, snapping a streak of losses against the Eagles and against Nick Sirianni and Brian Dable getting his first win against the Eagles as head coach of the New York Giants. Wow. Was that a performance? So that is where we end the season. A very odd ending thinking, oh, wow, we just spoiled the Eagles' chances of winning the division, and now they're playing in a wild card game, and that, that's our celebration. Went into the season, our our thing, our thing, um, ideas of where this team could go was a divisional win because that's where we made it to the previous year, and we were like, well, this team on paper is better than last year's team, right? Not only should we win that wild card game, we should win the divisional too. Let's go to the conference championship at that, right? That was the that was the the end goal of in the playoffs and how far can we go in the playoffs? And we end up with our final moments of happiness, which was knocking the Eagles out of winning the division, but also just like beating the Eagles in general. And it was a great win. And we messed up Nick Sirianni's plan. We talked about that all in our Eagles recap, if you wanted to listen to that. But Alex, I guess I can go to you now for your um, 
your thoughts on your what, what were you saying like your my in- season notes my season recap notes even though the notes are sure. very much in my head um anyway what i'll say this season it's all about almost i think is the best way to describe this season uh, except for week one it was just a, a season of almost um the moments that could have turned around the season were you know one play moments split second decisions uh, whether it's by our players opposing players referees whatever it may be um, and that turned the season into what ended up being a total disaster to maybe something that was more on the below average side or whatever that it may it may have been I would also say that I think last year I know a lot of people are saying looking at this season last year was a fluke it wasn't a fluke it was just those tiny moments you know how I just talked about those moments those one plays, those split seconds, those went correctly. Those were right, uh, whatever they were, uh, for the Giants. And that's why they were able to finish 9-7-1 nine, um, nine, last year. And that's why they made the playoffs. That's why they won a playoff game. Because, you know, though they didn't win by large margin. They were not blowing out any teams, uh, except for that final game against the Colts last year. They were winning on fine margins, um, winning on the very important plays. Uh, and they just lost on all the important plays this season and that's the main difference again a tougher schedule um you know teams kind of figuring out brian dable and mike kafka's offense a little bit so that's gonna be something they're gonna have to go back on the drawing board this season and um yeah i don't think this season was as disastrous as the record made it look um there's a lot of injuries of course um you know some rough um you know kind of politics towards the end of the season with Wink, clearly, as we have seen with what has happened at the end of the season, which we'll talk about in a second. But overall, um, I'm not furious with this season as I was during the season, now kind of looking back. But I think there's a lot to learn about individuals who stepped up, who was consistent throughout, right? Saquon Barkley, he fought tooth and nail. Uh, It felt like even though everything was kind of lined up against him at the beginning of the season, Dexter Lawrence had a great season. Um, you know, some of these key cornerstone pieces you could recognize uh, in this season. I think that was really important. Now, is Daniel Jones a cornerstone piece? We didn't really get much time to see him this season. So that's a, a big question mark. And, you know, you were able to see who was really going to be a part of this franchise going forward and who's not going to be. And, you know, as we always say, when times are tough, uh, that's when the real leaders and the true stars shine through. Um, and, um, you know, I think we saw quite a few of those both on offense and defense. And I'm happy to see that at least from, uh, you know, a relatively poor season. Yeah, Alex, I mean, I, I think one final note that I have, right, because you, you kind of got it all in there was this Giants season was just another one, I feel like, filled with injuries. And it really let this team down, especially from the quarterback position paying Daniel Jones all the big bucks in the offseason to not only get injured though like that's the thing what Giants fans have I mean what Giants fans know at this point and what I think this front office has to see is Daniel Jones even after the record-setting contract and I think it's something that a Giants front office doesn't want to think about because they signed him for so much money that they don't want to think about how he he didn't play well in the games he played in before the neck injury in the beginning of the season Daniel Jones was not consistent. He was not a good quarterback. And then the game after the neck injury, maybe the neck injury was still looming in that first quarter against the Raiders, but if it wasn't, or even if it was, then don't play him if it's that bad because that was one of the worst performances I've ever seen from Daniel Jones, and I still say that. 
overthrowing guys. Throwing over Saquon by 10 yards is not something that an NFL quarterback should be doing. And that is what Daniel Jones did in that game. So, I'm, again, it's not on one player, but the injuries between him and Tyrod Taylor kind of bouncing back and forth, that's unfortunate. I mean, obviously this season is sort of defined by the Tommy DeVito era. That's what people are probably going to remember. Oh, do you remember the Giants 2023 season? Oh, was that like the Tommy DeVito era? Yeah, that was it. That season, right? That I think that's what people are going to look back and, and remember the season about. They're not going to remember, you know, like other topics with how Saquon Barkley was him on a franchise tag, whatever. So I, I would say it was a season full of injuries. And then kind of my other note was, again, Alex, a season full of coin flips that if it landed on heads instead of tails, maybe that game against the Rams, the Giants could have won. Maybe there would be a P.I. call on Darren Waller in the end zone against Buffalo. Maybe in overtime, the Giants would actually score against the Jets and win that game. And when you look at all the coin flips throughout the entirety of this season, this could have been a playoff team. But unfortunately, all the coins flip the wrong direction and the Giants end up with a poor record and an opportunity to get another quarterback at some point in the offseason, get another running back at some point in the offseason, and that that's just kind of where we are right now. No, it's not a rebuild. This team could go somewhere next year. I don't have any doubts about that, but it really just depends now on who you bring in because as um, reporters have already started to, to mention, Saquon Barkley and the Giants seem to be moving in the opposite direction. That's what Ralph Acciano already reported, so... We'll have to wait and see. And with that being said, though, let's get to our Giants news, unless Alex is something else before we do that. All I'd say is as important as it it is to reflect on this season and learn from it, like I said in our previous episode, it's also as soon as OTAs begin, as soon as the off-season program starts, it's back to square one. It's it's, it's, you have to forget this past season because in some part of it, it was a fluke and some aspects and of course in some aspects some true um blemishes in this team were you know kind of caught out uh and showed off to the world so that it's got to be a, a fine mix by Dable uh in this offseason program for sure and we kind of kept it brief here because obviously no one wants to talk about a terrible season for a super long amount of time of course brief for us is like 15 minutes but whatever uh we I think we did a pretty good job of summarizing it relatively quickly We're going to take a quick break here, and then when we come back, we'll talk about the Giants news that's happened in the last few days since we recorded our last episode on Monday. Stay tuned. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not as uh, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome back here to the Giant Take, a New York Giants podcast. And we're going to go right into it right now. I'm, I'm not wasting any time. You've waited long enough listening. I'm going to talk about it. Outside linebackers coach Drew Wilkins and his brother Kevin Wilkins, who was a defensive assistant for the New York Giants, were both fired on Monday. A few hours after that, Wink Martindale resigns. But wait, no he didn't. What are you guys talking about? So, Alex, 
do you want to break this down? Let's break this down now. All right, here's the deal. Wink Morandale has now resigned. This is now confirmed, you know, by the New York Giants, Not by the official. NFL. No, it oh, is oh, official. At that, at that time, I'm At saying. that time. Now it is yeah. official. Come Thursday, January 11th at 6.31 p.m. We're recording right at this very moment. It is official. Wink Marndell has resigned. At that moment on Monday, he had not resigned. Now, you probably know all the specifics. We'll give a brief synopsis because I'm sure you listening uh, kind of know what synopsis? happened. But... Look at that big vocabulary word, Josh. I'm proud of you there. Thank you. Um, <laughs> so, Wink Marndell. Brian Dable at the press conference mentioned that he believes Wink Martindale and Mike Kafka will return to the New York Giants, right? Next on the list. When asked about if he's spoken to them yet, he said, no, I will be speaking to them right after this later today. So, Brian Dable also announced that his special teams coordinator, like we've mentioned earlier, an O-line coach got fired, but did not seem to indicate anything about the firings of an outside linebackers coach, Andrew Wilkins, and his brother in Kevin Wilkins. Both guys came in with Wink Marindale when he was signed to be the Giants defensive coordinator because those are his guys. They were back with him in, Ra- in, the, in Baltimore with the Ravens, and they traveled with him to the New York Giants. So those are his two assistants. And even um, when the Giants were hiring, Wink Marindale said, if I wasn't the defensive coordinator, they should definitely be. Like they, have, they are highly qualified to be defensive coordinators in this league. He was talking about, I think, Drew Wilkins specifically, though. Um, so from what the reports are, and this was mostly talked about by Paul Schwartz of the New York post was that Wink Martindale came in and sat down with Dable and Dable said, listen, we have fired Drew Wilkins and Kevin Wilkins, right? So these are the two guys that Wink Martindale has been riding with throughout his entire career, coaching career. So with that news, and Dable not saying in the press conference, keeping it to himself, which is obviously his own move and good for Dable because at the end of this, this is not a Wink Marindale issue. Or this is not a Brian Dable issue. It's a Wink Marindale issue. So with that news, Marindale reportedly, obviously, but it seems like everything is leading to the truth uh, side. Wink Marindale gets hysterically upset, screaming curses at Brian Dable and the New York Giants, more Brian Dable because he told him the news, walks out of the facility and then quickly books a flight to his home in Sarasota, Florida. Gets on the flight, and by the way, at this point, has not officially resigned. So he never signed the paper to resign. The whole entire reason that the Giants wanted him to resign and not fire him was to give him the opportunity in regards to the contract and how if he signed with another team next year, the Giants would not have to pay him if he resigned compared to if they fired him, they would still have to pay him after he resigned and went with another team. That's the whole point about this. And so Wink Marindale just leaves in frustration but never signs a resignation. But because Wink Marindale travels to Sarasota and then all the insiders find out through his family and friends telling him telling them that he's resigned, all the reporters say that Brian, uh, Wink Marindale has resigned, but nothing's official because he never signed pen to paper. So that was where we were left with for a few days before that, that news happened. And then more comes out. And Alex, I'm talking for a long time, so butt in if you want yeah i mean just absolutely craziness i mean more's gonna i mean it's honestly what you've said so far is basically the main thing here but there's more um, but wait there's I, more. I know there's more but that it's the main portion it's just kind of nuts it's kind of crazy a little bit disappointed on how dable's handled it obviously but wink is clearly crazy as well 
Um, and he's clearly a guy who just did not want to be defensive coordinator of the Giants anymore and um, just was too close to his friends, right? We saw Bobby Johnson was fired. Dable and him, best buds, but you have to do what is best for the team. Wink Martindale. And this wasn't uh, a bad I'll, decision by Dable at all. I don't Drew think Wilkins so. helped lead one of the worst group of linebackers we have seen in recent time. The Giants ranked dead last in the linebacker category. And we're talking about guys like Kayvon Thibodeau on this team. And the only reason that he was leading that group is because he's just a very good player. But the fundamentals behind the outside linebacker coaching was poor. So For anyway. Sure. And it and, and needed, you know, he, they needed to go. And, you know, the O-line coach went. They needed to go. You know, it just was only fair. And I'll let you touch, you know, briefly on the other stuff. Because honestly, I'll, I'll just say this. You know, Wink. You know, he was a good DC, but we clearly, he needed, they needed to move on uh, based on all this. And, and this wasn't sort of a, you know, F you, Wink, we're going to fire your defense. Like, th- this wasn't like just because type of thing. This was needed. Like, this was necessary. They, they should have been fired, these guys. Uh, they were not doing, obviously, a good job with their specific decision. Now, this was a little get back at Wink Martindale by Brian Dable. He could have very well fired them before the press conference and said, we also have gotten rid of Drew Wilkins and Kevin Wilkins from our defensive staff. But he decided to wait to do that, to get back at Wink for all the BS that he did during the season. And then tell Wink, knowing that obviously he's going to clearly be upset, did not expect getting cursed out and and leaving and flying straight to Sarasota. But anyway, the other stuff I was alluding to, Alex. So we all know about Jay Glazer's report mid-season. Brian Dable and Wink Martindale. There is tension inside and outside of the locker room. Brian Dable comes out. He says, I don't, I mean, I've heard the report. I don't, the only thing that me and Wink argue is the last slice of pizza. That's what he says. Wink, there is no reason that he doesn't even attempt to shut it down, right? That's another thing. Brian Dable attempts to shut it down. He, Wink doesn't seem to, you know, he says he doesn't really care and, you know, he doesn't believe the outside noise, but it's now believed that Wink Marindale was the man, or at least one of his defensive assistants in the Wilkins, reported that to Jay Glazer. So with that report out, Brian Dable's like, what the heck is the problem? Because he has no idea like that anything is wrong. And he went into a meeting with all his defensive staff and he said, guys, if anyone's got a problem with me, say something now or forever hold your peace. You know, something along that those lines. No one says anything. And Dable's like, all right, and moves on. So, obviously, there is an issue, and Brian Dable did the right thing here by speaking up, and he, that, that's as a head coach, you have to deal with that stuff. If there's problems that, and issues in your coaching room, you have to head, you know, head on, deal with those issues. And that's what he did, and no one spoke up. Um, but then kind of just manipulation left and right. You know, Wake Marindale trashes Xavier McKinney. Brian Dable doesn't like that, gives... Gives uh, Xavier McKinney the game ball, right? The following week has him break him, uh, has the uh, McKinney break down the team in the locker room. Here's another instance. Gives Wink Martindale the game ball, right? Says, here, let's give it to Wink, right? So I think there's things back and forth. I think it's a crazy situation and we'll have to see what, what goes on from here. But at this very moment, Wink Martindale is not the New York Giants and will not be. He has resigned as the New York Giants defensive coordinator. So Obviously, in future episodes, maybe next episode, we'll give you a few candidates uh, that you can look forward to the Giants maybe possibly interviewing, but they're not thinking about that right at this very moment. Okay, 
I think we can, we can move on, right, Alex? Uh, Sterling Shepard says goodbye to Giants fans. I'll just read uh, a part of the quote. He said, forever grateful to the New York Giants organization, past and present teammates, and the incredible fan base for their unwavering love and support over the past eight years. Dexter Lawrence named to the players all-pro list, all-pro team, excuse me. Congrats to Dexter Lawrence. It's the second year now they've done this players all-pro list, and I think it's cool. The players should be able to vote on their own their own list, and Dexter Lawrence making that seems like he's pretty respected around the league by other players. Punter Jamie Killen earned the NFC Special Teams Player of the Week honor right after uh, Gunnar Olszewski wins it a couple weeks ago, I believe. Giants hired a new O-line coach. That is a big piece of news here in Carmen Brasillo. Oh, bro. Oh, no. Uh, Brasillo? 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 Yeah, I think Brasillo's right. Spent the last two seasons as the Raiders offensive line coach. Came to the Raiders with former head coach Josh McDaniels from New England. Started out in New England as a coaching assistant in 2019 before he was moved to the co-offensive line coach in 2020 and offensive line coach in 2021. So, again, Raiders O-line coach the past two seasons, was a Pats O-line coach in 2021, the co-O-line coach for the Patriots in 2020, and then was the Youngsville State offensive line coach from 2010 to 2018 before transitioning to the NFL. So a lot of experience. This guy is not young. I believe he's 47, 48 years old. So he's had a lot of experience in this league. I think it'll it'll be, you know, definitely something good uh, and a refresher than Bobby Johnson, who maybe he was up there in age, but didn't have, I think, as as many years of experience as, uh, oh, wait, am I completely lying right now or is this a different person? Um, No, this is not him. Alex, go ahead. I think Priscilla. I think Priscilla. I think he's going to be a good hire in terms of like what he can do schematically. Um, I think there's, you know, he's done a lot of good with the Raiders' offensive line. They were not super great before he got there. Obviously, they have some talented players on that line, but um, you know, we had they all had all those issues with some of their first round draft picks. They obviously missed on Alex Leatherwood and some other players as well. Uh, and they have been able to, you know, kind of protect Aiden O'Connell or Jimmy Garoppolo or whoever you may talk about, uh, you know, these past, this past season and Derek Carr before him. So overall, not too bad. And obviously was with the Pats in 2021, 2020, 2019, like you said. So I think there's definitely a lot of potential, um, you know, here uh, in terms of him hopefully improving the offensive line. But until he really gets his hands on these guys and uh, can really start working with them, um, and, you know, we say a year from now uh, and look at this, you know, next season as a whole, especially that second half of next season and how this offensive line has, you know, been producing. It's going to be hard to really tell. I'm not going to get excited about a new O-line coach uh, as I have in the past because at this point I've just been disappointed time after time. So I made a mistake. Bobby Johnson does have, I, I, I want to make this clear, like a very good resume for himself and is actually older um, than our new offensive line coach. So, yeah, I made a mistake there. But um, anyway, yeah, it'll, it'll be nice to get a refresher in, and, and hopefully he's able to do well with his offensive line. And like you said, Alex, the Giants have not had a good offensive line in a long time now. And hopefully they do some drafting of those guys, with Joe Shane mentioning that they have a few picks within the top 70. You would think one of those is an offensive lineman. Guard, tackle, doesn't matter. We need depth, so pick either one. <laughs> Whatever you would like to do, pick a guy. All we know is we have a starting tackle, 
and we have a starting center for the future. Besides that, anything's up for grabs. And yes, I'm not saying we have two starting tackles because who the hell knows with Evan Neal what is going to happen with that guy. He has not been good. I don't even know if good is the right way. He's not been... He's not even bad. He's been terrible. So, yeah. I mean, sorry to, like, crap on Evan Neal here, but not necessary. Anyway. All right, Alex. So that is the Giants news that we have right now. I'm sure we'll come back after the Super Wildcard weekend for an episode either on Monday or Tuesday early next week talking about, we'll have to figure it out, Uh, (laughs) Giants news, maybe... Uh, defensive coordinator stuff, but we're not done with this episode because we have one last thing to do, and that's NFL picks, which still continue throughout the playoffs to find out who had more correct last week, dead even at 10-5. and five. Alex, I'll let you take the... I'm going to get the majority of games here. I've never had that happen to me, uh, but I'll get it here for Super Wildcard Weekend. You'll do the Saturday games, and I'll take over after that. All right, Browns, Texans. I've got the Browns. Josh is the Texans. Chiefs, Dolphins. We both have the Chiefs, and that is the only two I'm talking about. Alex, that Chiefs game, Chiefs-Bills, supposed to be record low temperatures for an NFL game. What'd I say? Chiefs-Bills. My bad. Chiefs-Dolphins. I'm looking at the Bills game next. Chiefs-Dolphins, supposed to be record low temperatures of like zero degrees at kickoff. Absolutely insanity there. So we'll have to see if the team from Miami can handle those those bone-chilling temperatures. Steelers versus Bills, the game at Sunday, um, the game on Sunday at 1, excuse me. The Bills... Alex has them winning, and I have the Steelers because we're going to have some fun. Cowboys versus Packers at 4.30 on Sunday. We both have the Cowboys winning that. The Rams and the Lions is a Sunday night game at 8 o'clock. Alex of the Rams, I have the Lions. Matthew Stafford returning, I believe, for the first time to Ford Field. Yeah, or I believe at so. Least, or at second least time. maybe second time, but for the Lions to have their first playoff game in a numerous amount of years, and it's the game against Matthew Stafford, and Lions fans loved Ma- love Matthew Stafford now, loved him when even when he left. Like, this guy is beloved in that city of Detroit, and he has to come back and try and beat his old team. is wild to me. And then that's a great storyline. Eagles, Buccaneers, Monday night. Alex is the Eagles, and for fun, I have the Buccaneers. How nice would it be to see Nick Sirianni's face lose to the Buccaneers in the wild card game after that team? Alex, that I mean, everyone's saying it. That team, that Eagles team is in destruction right now. Like, they're they're absolutely beat down. I mean, they're not wrong. Nick Sirianni's losing his mind over there. I don't know. I don't know. I feel like the Buccaneers can give them a run for their money. We'll have to wait and see. So, with that being said... Uh, we appreciate you listening to this episode of the Giant Take Podcast. It was a little bit of a longer one now that I'm looking at it, but uh, we appreciate you sticking with us throughout the entire thing. Had a lot of stuff to cover. If you want more content from us at the Giant Take Pod on Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook, um, I've been putting out and going to continue to put out content on those socials at least for the next few days I have left here at home that I've uh, I've gotten the time to do it before I go back to school. So I'll try to keep doing that. Alex on Twitter at Inorian23. I'm on Twitter at JoshLo29. Um, obviously, you know, if you want to hear Alex or I guess see Alex's, uh, you know, once a month tweets about how terrible the Nets are and, you know, feel all free right, to, right. to follow him on Twitter. A team that can't even beat a uh, less than 10 win team in the NBA in the Portland Trailblazers um, uh, in overtime. And then the, the Knicks go and, and beat them by 40. I got to see that live, by the way. It was a, a very enjoyable watch. If you were wondering, Alex. So, um, you can also subscribe to the podcast. He's taking none of my PS right now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, Google Podcasts, anywhere you listen. Uh, rate us five stars and uh, 
while Alex has the look, I know you're listening, so I'll describe it to you. While Alex has basically the look of death, um, because he's just thinking about how terrible this Nets team is, I'll let him close it out so he can go cry over that. Thank you, everyone, for listening to today's episode. Fire Jacques Vaughn, please. Um, thank you. Um, enjoyed a very, you know, disappointing season, but still enjoyed uh, hopping on the mics and talking about it. So we do appreciate you uh, all sticking with us for that. And hopefully uh, we got some exciting off-season stuff coming up. So stay tuned. We'll see you next time. Bye.